Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer from DanceWell, and I am here today with Heli Bukowski, who is joining us on the phone from Long Island. Before we jump in, Haley is joining us today to talk about nutrition for young dancers. I wanted to give you a bit of a background on Haley. Haley is a woman of many talents. She is a Long Island native and is at the same time a dancer, dance teacher, nutritionist, yoga teacher, and dance adjudicator. She graduated with a BFA in jazz performance in 2010 from the University of the Arts and simultaneously became certified in nutrition for optimal health, wellness, and sport through Stony Brook University. Shortly thereafter, she went on to dance in the Masa Apprenticeship Program with Kibbutz Contemporary Dance Company in Israel, where she and I met. And since returning, she has completed her 200-hour vinyasa certification course through Yoga to the People and has danced in companies such as Dema Dance Company, Lyon Contemporary Dance Company, Amalgamate Dance Company, and more. Currently, she dances for Michael Sustin and Company and teaches multiple styles and levels of dance and is a dance adjudicator at both the regional and national levels. From 2013 to 2016, Haley and I co-created Mindful Practice Workshop Conditioning and Wellness for the Competitive Dancer, in which we taught competitive dancers about cross-training, nutrition, and yoga. So, Haley, let's talk a little bit about nutrition. Um, yes, let's do it. The first thing I wanted to ask you is what made you want to start speaking to dancers about nutrition? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I think it had to do with my background, you know, dancing growing up and then going to college for dance and seeing how food and nutrition affects, you know, everyone across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing with it all myself and, uh, you know, trying different diets and seeing what worked and seeing what didn't. And then when I got into teaching, I realized that the kids have the same issues that I had, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So um, I figured maybe I could help break the cycle a little bit. And what, what kind of issues were you, are you referring to that you have? Um, I think, you know, you have – everyone has body issues when you're staring at yourself in the mirror constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had a bunch of injuries, and one of them I learned was because of what my diet was – diet could fix it mm-hmm. which was amazing mm-hmm. um and something that i'd never known until i hit college um you know i had some friends go through really bad eating disorders which mm-hmm. was so incredibly hard to watch and then as i teach kids i see this happening now in teens and you know the body image issues that they're sick that they're not performing at their best so you know all that kind of adds up oh yeah absolutely so do you Teens, is that, is that the, the population that you generally work with, teenage Yeah, I, I mean, I work with ages 5 to 17, so it's mm-hmm. the whole range. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we sneak those three-year-olds in. Um, <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah, they're cute. Um, I mean, but you see the issues from, like, 11 up. In terms of body imaging, body image. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. um, that's when the injuries usually really start, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's when they're there at the studio for extended periods of time, so that's when their eating habits tend to change. And they're going through like crazy schedules because they're, you know, some of these kids are now in high school. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's something that you used to talk about a lot. Yes. When we were doing mindful practice, can you talk a little bit about the crazy schedule and food and all that? Absolutely. So, um, you know, these kids. This is something I always point out to them. They have these crazy long days. Like we always thought college, you know, so crazy. Or like when you get into the workforce, that's going to be your your longest days. But it's really these these kids. They have so much pressure, and they start their days at, I don't know, 7, right, 7.15. Mm-hmm. We go through the whole schedule with them. Some of them have lunch at 9 and then don't have another time to eat for the rest of the day. That's insane. Which is insane. Like, 
how is that possible? Mm -hmm. Some of them will go from 7 a.m. and not have lunch until 2 at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. which is also crazy. Agreed. Um, So they'll have classes from 9, I'm sorry, from 7 to, I don't know, 2.30-ish, 3-ish, depending if they're still in middle school, they're in high school. And then they'll go to after-school sports because a lot of them are still involved in school. So doing cheerleading or sports or dance team. And then they go immediately to dance. Some of them have religion in between. Some of them leave one to go to the other, like mm-hmm. never going home, which I remember doing myself, mm-hmm. eating dinners in cars, changing ballet tights in the back of my parents' car, trying to get to dance on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of them dance from 4.30 to 9.30. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so these kids are going 7 to 9.30 nonstop with no real meal breaks in there, or if they are, they're not spread out how they remote. Um then they go home they still have homework a lot of this the older kids will stay up to 1 a.m doing homework and then they wake up and do it all again insane yeah um so so what do you crazy schedule (laughs) i thought i had it bad (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um so what do you teach them then in terms of like you point out that their schedule is crazy and their their eating (laughs) is probably erratic because of that where do you go from there so um what happens then is normally we, we point out the highlights. So I start with, we talk about blood sugar. Mm-hmm. It might seem like the biggest thing to teach kids, but it, it actually makes a difference. It's something that they can relate to because I talk to them in terms of like, all right, you're at competition and you eat a big pixie stick. So it's, I don't know why that's always been the trend ever <laughs> since I've been dancing. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do you feel after? They're like, oh, you're crazy, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, your blood sugar spikes. You are super hyper. We call that you know, I don't even remember what we used to call it, but it was like, oh, a sugar rush or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I draw a nice little arrow going like, ah, way up. And then I'm like, all right, so what happens? Do you feel like a ton of energy for a long time? And they're like, no, no, you crash. So they, they're saying these terms. They might not even know what it means. I'm like, oh, okay. So when you crash, you go back to normal. Or is that below normal? I'm like below normal, you just are exhausted. I'm like, right. So we call that hangry when, like, you're super hungry, you mm-hmm. can't focus. The Snickers commercials really help mm-hmm, that. Totally. <laughs> or just, yeah, you're exhausted. Um, and I was like, okay, so when you're below normal, then what do you want to reach for? Do you want to reach for, you know, something that's going to give you some long-term energy, or do you want that immediate spike? And they get it. They're like, oh, that immediate spike. I'm going to reach for that candy. So I start with that because it shows them that the very first choice that they make in the morning affects their entire day, mm-hmm. right? Because if they eat something sugary, they go to Dunkin' Donuts, they get that donut. Immediately, we're going to start on that roller coaster. Um, so you're setting yourself up for disaster. So I start with that, and I kind of get into that. And then we go through each meal of just like, hey, this is how if it was a perfect day, you could separate your meals, mm-hmm. right? Eating every uh, we talk about like meals every four hours with snacks every two, something a little bit in there. Obviously, it's not realistic for them, but just so they could see what a normal day should look like. Right. And then we talk about like what makes a great breakfast, lunch, dinner. What is a good snack? Um, we talk about the difference between, you know, whole wheats and not whole wheats and whole grains in terms that these kids hear constantly but may not truly understand. Yeah. So you're kind of like – unlocking a few things and kind of connecting the dots for them so they kind of have an idea of what they should be doing? Yeah, I'm trying to look back to, like, you know, what are they doing now and mm-hmm. how can I put that into terms in which ways they can change? Because they're not going to get the huge concepts. They're not going to get the big words, and they don't really care how it breaks down in the body and right. all that. Right, Um, But I could be like, hey, you feel this. This is how I can make you feel this. Totally. Right? And this one's better. 
Right, right. And do you, I never really understood this. Like, can kids have snacks that they keep in their desk so that they can kind of snack throughout the day or? Um, no, most of them do not let them. They can have it in their locker hmm. or like carry it in their backpack, but they're not allowed to like openly open snacks in class. So I would always say like, go take the pass, go to the bathroom, like pretend you're going to the bathroom, go eat a few almonds or like in the hallway. No one's going to stop you for eating a snack in the hallway. Right. You could totally do that. But yeah, they're not allowed to sit down in the middle of math, open up a nice little snack. Right. And just start chomping away. Yeah. (laughs) Pity. Definitely. That's definitely a unique demand of that population. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Because I will eat a snack anywhere. So, okay. So you talked a little bit about their schedules and you talked a little bit about kind of like familiarizing dancers with certain terms that they've heard and like really getting Uh them to, to kind of Uh get how that applies to them. Um, what do you find is like the largest knowledge gap in the population you teach, which is like, is usually competition dancers. Am I right about that? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, the knowledge gap, it's, you know, it's hard because these kids do know, especially because it's, it's so in the media now we see it everywhere, which I think is fantastic about like what is quote unquote healthy and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think they don't know is that you don't have to give up everything. Yeah. Like, I think for them, they think it's, uh, okay, well, I know that uh, in their mind, right, a salad is healthy and apple is healthier than chips, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm not going to eat any of this. I'm going to cut out all carbs. Like, for them, it's really the, like, all or nothing, mm-hmm. which I feel like, you know, what I try to tell them is, like, that's not realistic. Every time you eat, you just make choices and you make your best choice that you can. Um, so I think that's a big thing because they all go, I, I, you know, I hear the kids all the time. I got to lose five pounds. I'm not eating this. I'm not eating that. I'm like, but you could, you know, yeah, you, you could eat this, but you just have to make a smart choice about what, what else you eat and, um, what goes along with it. And so I try to break it down that way. Um, I also think the biggest thing these kids always seem shocked with is when I have them read the labels, yeah. which these kids can all read, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think they realize how bad anything that comes in a package is. Not anything, because now there's healthier options. But right. for the most part, these kids never turn around and see what they're actually putting in their body. Right. Oh, what's so that think, slogan that you always used to oh, say? Oh, yeah. So, so cheesy, but it seems to stick. <laughs> I always tell them, if you can't read it, don't eat it. Yeah. And they're all like, oh. So what I normally do is I'll have them take, um, for example, a cliff bar uh, sorry, Cliff Bars, and then they'll turn it over, and I had someone volunteer to try and read all the ingredients, and usually they get tripped up over their words, and I show them that I also don't even know what half of these words are, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm like, Do you, if you saw this on the shelf in a grocery store, you know, we see applesauce, if next to it you saw xanthium gum or right. something, would you pick it up, or like, oh, no. acid, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. right, and I'm like, would you pick it up, and they're like, no, I'm like, so why are you eating it now, and they're like, oh, oh good point, yeah. and then I'll show them something, like, I like to use um, Lara bars, because Lara bars have, like, three ingredients, mm-hmm. the three ingredients are all whole ingredients, so it's going to be, like, dates, almonds, Coconut. chocolate, right, chocolate, I'm like, oh, but it's chocolate, I'm like, but it's still good for you, yeah, because it's three ingredients, they're whole ingredients, they're not overly processed, so I think that mentality is also a big gap. Yeah. And I think I really like how, and I like this a lot when you did this in mindful practice too, is how you kind of take these big concepts and distill it to something that they really can get. 
Um, yeah, you have to break it down because they are intelligent and they'll grasp it. Mm-hmm. But it's just the way that you bring it at them. You have to, especially when working with kids, you have to, um, you know, bring it to their level, relate it to something they're already doing. Yeah. Keep them engaged, you know. Keep it in, yeah, keeping them engaged is, is a big yeah. thing, especially when their days are so long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you oh have to goodness. rope them in. Um, that's another thing, too, is like they – a big gap is them realizing how much they should be eating. Exactly. Um, so, you know, kids will go and they'll have breakfast, maybe. Some of them, half of them don't eat breakfast. And mm-hmm. then they'll go to, to school and they have lunch at 930. And they get a bagel or a slice of pizza. Right. And then they don't eat again until maybe on their way to dance, which is like a snack. Right. And then maybe again when they get home. I'm like, guys, you can't go from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. with a slice of pizza. Right. There's so <laughs> like, much activity I'm in their days. About that. <laughs> yeah. There's so much activity in their days. And then they're athletes too. Right. So there's right. a lot to fuel that. Um, speaking of athletes, you mentioned earlier um, something about uh, nutrition and injuries. Can you talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about um, how? like poor nutrition or poor nutritional habits can lead to injury? Absolutely. So this is the biggest thing I wish I knew Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Um, You know, also with uh, injury prevention, which I was so lucky I had you teaching alongside with me, also Mm -hmm. something I wish I knew as a kid. Um, Because the way you fuel your body has a lot to do with, like I teach the kids about, you know, weak, brittle bones. We're talking about osteoporosis. We're talking about how greens can, you know, help keep your your body strong Mm -hmm. and that's what these kids need they're putting their body through a tremendous amount of stress um even certain foods that help with memory like guys don't you want to you have to memorize 17 dances a season yeah it's a lot of dances memory helps yes (laughs) (laughs) um but also so my biggest eye-opener personally was i had a uh, stress fracture in my hip Mm -hmm. in college and I went to the doctor, and I was, you know, super upset. It was December break. I was like, I can't dance. I'm going to be so out of shape when I get back, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And basically the doctor had said, like, hey, all these fake foods, right? I was using spray butter mm-hmm. because I thought it was healthier because it was low fat. Mm-hmm. Like, that old mentality that low fat was better. Um, as a kid, I was a vegetarian, but it was still new-ish that, like, I didn't do it in the greatest of ways. If I want to be a vegetarian today, I'd do it totally differently. Mm-hmm. I ended up eating, again, mostly processed foods. And he was like, hey, basically, like, that is a big part of what's leading up to your injury. Like, the fact that you did X, Y, and Z, that you weren't eating correctly, that you were putting all this fake stuff in your body, really helped you, you know, get this injury. And my mind was blown. Mm-hmm. And I felt so guilty being like, oh, my God, the stupid stuff I did as a kid and you know, the way my eating habits are now, that, that injured me, like, how, how crazy is that? Like, that's something so easy I could have fixed, mm-hmm. but then he realizes that you can also then immediately fix it, and it's not the biggest deal. Right. <laughs> right? You can always change your diet, so. Exactly, and you can kind of give um, it what it needs to, the, the body, yeah. what it needs to, like, rebuild yeah, itself. it's a growing process, it yeah. really is, mm-hmm. but um, that was the biggest eye-opener for me when I really realized the, like, the correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so something else that I just thought of um, that I remember you doing very nicely again in mindful practice was is um, so you you talk to the dancers about uh, different parts of nutrition that kind of I know I've said this mm-hmm. before already kind of open their eyes to different things and get them to be familiar with what they should be doing. Um, what tools do you give the dancers to eat better or to fuel their bodies? 
Um, okay, so if we're talking like physical tools that they walk away with, mm-hmm. right? We used to do these worksheets, and I would give them a worksheet that they would kind of follow along with me on, mm-hmm. and that we would draw the, you know, the um, ups and downs of the the roller coaster of your your blood sugar, and we'd write down their schedule, and we put in when you should be having breakfast, mm-hmm. and on the bottom, I would put like um, a big thing we did. So this is a big tool that they could walk away with, right? is that the diet really just has to do with making your plate colorful, mm-hmm. as colorful as possible. So on the bottom of the worksheet, I've had ideas of, like, what each color does for your body and, like, some foods you could do and they would fill in other ones. But I think that was a big mental shift, too, because, um, you know, I'd go through and I'd be like, hey, guys, if you have oatmeal for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, and, you know, like, mashed potatoes for dinner. Okay. Right. Altogether, those aren't terrible foods. That's on a the, lot of yellow. <laughs> yeah, they're on a healthier scale, but it's all brown. Right. I was like, so you're missing all these nutrients, which is something they don't think of when they think healthy. They're not thinking nutrients. They're just thinking like, you know, oh, a salad is better than a burger. Right. Which also is not necessarily true. Right. But um, <laughs> that was a big tool. So we'd go through that. Sometimes I'd have them make a plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I do this with my students now when we come to Thanksgiving time, even if it's not a nutrition class. Mm-hmm. Um, and we make these plates and we divide them up. So we're teaching portion control. So I have them divided up the way it should be. And then we write grains in one corner and vegetables in another, and carbs and dairy on the side. Kind of like the My Pyramid. Uh-huh. But now they don't use that anymore. They use My Plate. Yes. So um, that's another tool I give them is just learning, like, what should your plate actually look like? You know, what is a right portion size without getting too crazy about it? Yeah. Um, another tool, again, is just teaching them how to how to read. Just not how to read. They know. <laughs> right. Being, the like, labels, Getting right? in the habit of turning over whatever it is you picked off the shelf and seeing what's actually in it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We also gave them, um, like, grocery lists. So when you go to competition, mm-hmm. you are stuck there all day long. And a lot of times you can't get away, so you bring your own food. So I gave them a grocery list they could take with mom, use as many times as they wanted, that checked off each area. It had a protein. It had options for fruits. It had options for vegetables. It had options for healthy sugars. So that way they could go to competition and be prepared and not get to the grocery store and be so overwhelmed. Nice. Um, And the last one we did was, again, sometimes you're a competition, you can't leave, or your only option is fast food. So my big thing was I didn't want them to think that if fast food was the only thing there, that they couldn't eat because that is almost worse than eating something bad. Your body's just going to crash. Yeah. Um, So I gave them a sheet, almost like an eat this, not that, if you guys remember those those Mm -hmm. books back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would go through the options of like, um, McDonald's, okay, is it better to have this salad this burger or this sandwich and this salad or Taco Bell is it better to have this one versus this one and the answers are surprising yeah. and all I was trying to do was teach the kids that like look and see what's in the food you do have options like obviously fast food is not great but if you're stuck you can make the best of it and don't automatically think that the salad is better than the burger or the sandwich or you know because it all depends what they put in it yeah I remember uh, one one option I forget which uh, fast food location it was from, but the dressing alone just kind of negated everything else that yes, was in there. I think, I want to say it was, 
I want to say it was Wendy's, mm-hmm. and we tricked them, but because the one before was McDonald's, and it was like, eat this salad or eat this burger, and of course the salad was better. It's like burger and fries. Mm-hmm. Of course the salad's better. So then the second question was, like, eat this salad or have this chicken sandwich. And so the kids are automatic, like, salad. Right. And I was like, twist. But. Chicken sandwich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because all the crap that they put on it totally negates the lettuce you're getting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that was something I was super surprised about. You know, I, I had done like one or two competitions when I was quite young, but then a few years ago coming to visit you, um, at a competition in yes, Jersey. Yes. Nationals experience. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> seeing like, oh my God, they're feeding these doctor these, uh, these dancers hot dogs. And then upstairs there's like Panda Express and mm-hmm. there's maybe Subway and then maybe some like really greasy sub option. Um, and seeing how all those dancers were eating, all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. So uh, those and checklists like, are so important. They'll, they'll even that out with them not eating. Right. Some of these kids will not eat all day, which right. was a big issue for me. I, uh, I was so nervous. So I talked to kids cause I understand. I used to get so nervous that I wouldn't eat all day until mm-hmm. the day was over. Right. And then you're starving. Oh, One yeah. time I even crashed on stage cause my body was just like enough. Oh no. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was young and I was just like, I was at nationals. I've been doing this too many days in a row, and my body just shut down while I was dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so you eat this huge meal at night. Everyone goes to the diner or wherever because you're so excited. You won. It was great. But it's a super greasy meal, and you eat a ton, and then you go to bed. You wake up the next morning. You do the same thing in a row. Oh, if it's the regionals, it's three to four days. If it's mm-hmm. the nationals, you know, uh, it could be up to ten days. Mm-hmm. And you do this five times a year. In the winter, so your body's already run down. Yeah. And and you wonder why, you know, why does every kid get the flu or why is this, everyone's always injured and even if they have the correct training. Um, so, yeah, that was a big one for me. It was like, hey, guys, you have to eat and here are your options, like, to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. So, uh, <laughs> yes. <of course. laughs> um, okay. So, last question I want to ask you before we wrap up for today um you kind of answered this but what is the one thing about nutrition that you wish you knew when you were a young dancer um yeah I totally wish that I knew how much it would it could help or hinder my dancing Mm -hmm. like the effect it truly had on how I felt during the day how much energy I would have um you know my stamina maybe help some of my injuries maybe Mm -hmm. keep those from from happening um, yeah, I wish I had that knowledge. And I also wish I realized how simple it was. Like, just make your plate colorful. Yeah. Just read the labels. Um, especially because I was a vegetarian for so many years mm-hmm. of my, my teenage competitive years. Mm-hmm. I was a vegetarian from age 11 to, uh, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew how to do it correctly. Yeah. Um, by not eating all the process. And basically all I ended up eating was, you know, fake cheese and a lot of pretzels. Right. <laughs> Which is not a healthy diet for anybody. Not, not particularly. But I think no. like, you know, I think working with you for a couple of years in mindful practice and, and just being your friend for all these years, uh, it's obvious to me that you've taken what you wish you knew and have turned that into like some really valuable tools for the dancers Thank you work you. with. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that just, you know, if I could save, here's the thing, like, I've had injuries, you've had injuries, Mm -hmm. a bunch of our close friends have had injuries that have taken them out of the dance world. So if I could help these kids have a longer dance life, even if that means just making it through high school, um, even if these kids don't want to dance professionally, then I feel 
maybe I've got a good tool for life if anything sticks. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I think it was obvious from all the, the workshops we did and all those little, those cute feedback forms we got from the kids. If you can't <laughs> read it, don't it. eat they it. Do get it. <laughs> yeah, they do get it. I love that, um, that, that injury prevention and uh, mindfulness and nutrition is really making a like, I think it's making like a big wave kind of now in the dance world world Mm -hmm. and also like in the real world, in the real world. I don't know what to call it. In the real world, in our world without dance in it. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well, thank you, Haley, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. And good luck. You're going to nationals tomorrow? Yes. We leave for, well, some of my kids are already there, but I Mm -hmm. head to Vegas tomorrow. Mm, Nice. Enjoy. Good luck to all. You break a leg. Thank you. I will send them a message. Great. Thanks, Hales. On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of DanceWell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes and search DanceWell, that's one word, DanceWell Podcast, and subscribe. We will be releasing bi-monthly episodes with an emphasis on exploring 360 degrees of health and wellness for dancers. Have questions or want to get in touch? Email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.